would you find your place in Luke 24 once again? As we think about Easter, Easter represents the time that we set aside to remember and reflect on the reality that we have a risen Savior. And what a wonderful reality that that is. Because as important as the crucifixion is, we do not memorialize a long dead and buried leader, but a crucified, buried, and risen Savior who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so throughout this service, we've read from Luke 24. The chapter opens with the record of several women who were devout followers of Jesus. They were headed to the tomb that morning to further prepare his body. But what we learn in Luke 24 is that had they remembered his word, they would not have made the journey that day. Just as his other disciples would not have been hiding, overwhelmed with grief and fear. Have you ever found yourself struggling with forgetfulness? Anybody like that? It's kind of a just common problem that we're prone to have in our human nature. We forget. Sometimes we joke about it as being a, a, an issue that happens more and more as we age. Back a couple of years ago, I was often using COVID brain as an excuse for forgetting things. But you know, the reality is, I talk to my children about things at times. Hey, did you do this? You know what daddy told you to do 10 minutes ago? Oh, I forgot. I don't think I can use age as an excuse for them. It's just something that is prone to happen in our human nature. The Bible records for us in at least six texts that Jesus told his followers that he would suffer, die, and rise again. Texts like Matthew 16 and verse 21 record this, where the Bible says, From that time forth, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. And so six texts record that Jesus did this. But notice what Matthew says. From that time forth, Jesus began to show them these things. And so those six texts record it. Do you think we could agree based on Matthew commentary that Jesus told them this again and again and again and again? 
From that time forth began Jesus to show these things to his disciples. From that period in his ministry on, Jesus told his disciples again and again and again, we're going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed, arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be crucified. But don't worry, disciples. Three days later, I'm going to rise again. And yet, when the time came, they had missed it. They had forgotten. Luke 24 records only now, at the point we read, did they remember his words. And here's what I want you to catch today. When they remembered his words... Everything changed. Their entire outlook changed. Their perspective changed. Luke 24, verses 6 through 8, notice what it says. He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Read verse 8 aloud with me, would you? And they remembered his words. Think about this. The women were going that day to further prepare his body they arrived the stone was rolled away they walked into the tomb and the tomb was empty they came out and saw these two men in shining garments the bible says and they were perplexed and afraid until what happened they remembered his words they saw all the evidence with their own eyes. The stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty, except for the empty grave clothes. The two men are here declaring that he is risen again. Yet they're perplexed. They're afraid until what? They remembered his words. They saw all the evidence with their own eyes, but it wasn't until they remembered his words that everything changed. That thought that we'll address further in our next service got me thinking about other times. The Bible talks about remembering his word. And my mind was jogged as I reflected on something that took place just two chapters previous to this in Luke's record. I want you to go back with me to Luke 22. You see, these women weren't the first of Jesus' followers to remember his word during Passion Week. Another of his disciples had a similar experience. Luke 22, read beginning in verse 54. Then they took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. 
But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know not him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour, another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, This fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Read the next phrase with me aloud, would you? And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter and ten of Jesus' other disciples accompanied him after they ate the Passover meal to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus fell on his knees, knowing the suffering that was coming and prayed to the Father, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. The temple guard led by Judas came to the garden. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Peter began to try to fight back. He cut off the ear of a servant of the priest and Jesus stayed his hand and allowed himself to be arrested. And when he did, the Bible says that all the disciples forsook Jesus and fled just as he said they would. Peter, from a distance, unseen, followed where they took Jesus, went into that courtyard, and there, as Jesus predicted, this strong, self-confident man who declared that he would die with Jesus, crumbled before a servant girl. At that moment, the cock crew, Peter, looked about, saw Jesus. They locked eyes. And as we read, Peter remembered the words of the Lord, who said, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny me three times. And Peter, flooded with guilt and shame, went out and wept bitterly. Now, if we stop right there, you would say, Pastor, what kind of an Easter message is this? What kind of a sunrise service it messages this. What, what are we to get about Easter from this reminder of Peter, who is a good representation of every one of us? Because if you and I are honest today, we would all have to say that at different times and points in our lives and walk with the Lord, we fail Him. 
We deny him with words and with actions and thoughts. But I want you to see something that the scripture reveals to us. This isn't all that Jesus said to Peter. I believe if Peter had remembered all that Jesus said when Jesus predicted his denial, Peter would have realized that within the words of Jesus was a message of encouragement in the midst of his failure. Look back earlier to Luke 22. And find verse 31. Luke 22, beginning in verse 31, because here we see the message that God wants for us today. It's the message Peter needed at that very moment when he wept, went out and wept bitterly, but it wasn't a message to come. It was a message he had already been given. And today on Resurrection Sunday 2023, I believe the message that we need is a message that has already been given. We don't need to hear some new thing. We need to remember what he has already said. The message of Luke 22, 31 through 34 connects with the resurrection to declare this truth. Listen carefully. God's not done. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But then listen to verse 32. But I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And now here's Peter. Peter understands through Jesus' words that failure is ahead. That there's going to be something to trip him up. That there is some sort of denial coming. And so Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. God, if it requires it, Jesus, I'll go to prison with you and I'll die with you. And, P and Jesus responds now with verse 34. And he says, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. But do you notice here that Jesus does not simply predict a denial? Jesus predicts some other truths here too. And it's in this part that I want you to see. God, Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me. But God's not done. Listen to me very carefully, friends. Jesus would say to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny that you even know me. You're claiming in self-confidence and your strength that you'll go to prison and die with me. And you're trying to say that you'll go through all of that. But I'm telling you, Peter, you're going to deny me. But though you'll deny me, God won't be done with you. And today, the resurrection declares to us this truth. God's not done. 
You see, when Jesus went to the cross and died, there were many around who thought, he's done, it's over, that's the end. But the resurrection declares boldly, no, God's not done. Yes, from the cross, Jesus said, it's finished. The work of redemption was complete. But you understand, don't you, friend, that God's work is not done. God's purposes and plans, his power are not done. He is still at work. And you might have experienced something like what Peter experienced. And the resurrection declares to every one of us today, God's not done. You might deny, you might fail, you might sin. God's not done with you. Let's look at what Jesus had to tell Peter about three themes addressed in this message. Number one, Jesus spoke a word about attack. Jesus issued a warning that he was Satan's target. Peter was. Look, if you would, at Satan's request. It says, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Half desired here means to demand. If you study it out in the text, it identifies demanding or asking something of another person. So in reality, Jesus is saying here that Satan has demanded or requested something for you from Another. Well, who would that other person be that Satan would be demanding or requesting from? It would be God. Think of Job chapter 1. Do you remember in Job's experience, for Satan to interact in Job's life, what did he do? He came before God, and he asked God, God, to just back his hand away a little bit. God, just remove your hand. Take away some of your blessing, and let me get in there and work in his life, and and Job will curse you. Job will curse you to your face. He only serves you because of what you do for him. He only serves you because of how you bless him. So withdraw that just a little bit. Give me some space to operate, and Job will curse you. Satan had to request that. You understand, friends, that Satan has no power to do anything in any believer's life apart from God's approval. So we might ask the question, well, why then would God allow this? Satan has his purpose in that, but friend, God also has his own. Satan wants to destroy you. God wants to build you. Satan wants to to bring you down in sin. God wants to purify you from sin. And it is through those tests and those trials of our faith that we experience that growth in purifying. But look at Satan's reason. Jesus said that he may sift you as wheat. It identifies Satan's desire to destroy Peter. He wanted to take Peter down so that Peter could not be effective for Jesus later. He wanted wanted Peter to be so discouraged, depressed, defeated, that Peter would no more be of use to the Lord. But I want you to notice something else. Jesus said, Satan hath desired to have you. The Greek pronoun translated you in this text is plural. 
Jesus spoke directly to Peter, but it wasn't just Peter that Satan wanted. It was all of the followers. Satan wanted to cripple all of them. Satan wanted to destroy all of them. Satan wanted to take them all down so they could not be used anymore by the Lord, so they would not be effective in his work. Friends, the same is true for you and I. It would be Peter later who would write by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You see, Satan is your enemy, and he wants to attack you. He wants to take you down. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to discourage you so that you'll no longer be of usefulness to the Lord. He's on the attack. And he wants to do to you what he wanted to do to Peter and the other disciples. Number two, notice this today. Jesus spoke a word of assurance. Man, I don't know about you, but what a discouraging message that you're in Satan's target. I mean, that's not what you want to hear on any day, let alone Easter Sunday, right? Hey, friend, you're in Satan's target. He wants to take you down. He wants to destroy you. He wants to cripple you and limit your effectiveness for the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't just tell Peter, hey Peter, you're in Satan's target. Good luck with that. Hey Peter, you're going to deny me. Good knowing you. That's not what he said. That wasn't all of it, was it? What did he follow it up with? Look at verse 32 again. But I have prayed for thee. And I love this. Satan hath desired to have you. It's plural. There. He wants all of you. Thee is singular. Peter, I am praying for you personally. Peter, I am praying for you individually. Peter, I am praying for you about your specific need. In light of the attack of Satan and Peter on the others, Jesus prayed for Peter. And it represents the primary, pertinent, and passionate ministry of Jesus to his followers. Later that very night, John 17 records Jesus as he prayed He prayed about what was coming, his opportunity to glorify God and to be glorified by God through the crucifixion. But more than that, he prayed for his followers. John 17 verse 9 says, I pray for them. Jesus spoke about those who were following him, those whom God had given him out of the world. Jesus said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, the world in general, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. That very night, as the suffering of Jesus was on his mind, as Jesus would go to the garden, sweat great drops of blood, as he was stressed, thinking about it and praying about it for himself before, for the Father. He was also praying for his followers, but not just those followers. John 17, verse 20, he said this, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Who's that? 
It's every person who has ever come or will ever come to faith in Jesus Christ. Friend, can you stop for just a moment and think about that truth? The night he would be betrayed, arrested, tried, the next morning go to the cross, and he knew all that was coming. On that very night, he prayed for you. Between verses 9 and 20 and after verse 20, Jesus prayed for all of his followers. He prayed that they would be kept. That means watched over, taken care of, and guarded. He prayed that they would be sanctified, that they would be unified. He gave assurance to Peter, Peter... Satan wants you. You're in his target. He's on the attack to take you down and destroy you. And Peter, by the way, you're going to deny me. But I've prayed for you that even though you're going to fail, your faith will not. When he said that thy faith fail not, fail not means cease or die. You see, friend, when we have denied the Lord in word and action, when we've failed him, when, when our actions, when our righteousness fails, it is easy to take the next step then and think about just throwing in the towel on our faith. But Jesus did not specifically pray that Peter would not fail, that he wouldn't misstep, that he wouldn't sin Jesus prayed that when that happened, his faith would not fail. Jesus gave him that assurance. And friend, you and I can live today with the assurance that no matter what we're facing or going through, and by the way, no matter what we've done, Jesus prays for us. And then I want you to see thirdly this morning, Jesus spoke a word of availability. Look at the second half of verse 32. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Would you notice, first of all, repentance is available. The word converted in the text means to revert, to turn back, to turn around. It has the idea of turning from one direction to another direction. Peter was a saved man. But through his denial, he would start down a wrong road that would jeopardize his discipleship. If he continued down that road of denial and continued to live in that practice the remainder of his life, he, he would not be used. He would not be a testimony for the Lord. He would not be a witness of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion and resurrection. He would cease as a follower of Jesus Christ. But Jesus had a message for Peter. Peter, Satan has you in his target. You're going to be attacked. And, Satan, and Peter, though you say you'll go to prison and death with me, the reality is tonight you're going to deny that you even know me. But Peter, here's the message I have for you. In that place... Repentance is available. And by the way, through repentance, forgiveness. Think about that for just a moment. He denied the Lord, but the Lord would not deny him. He would repent and be forgiven. 
When you fail, when you sin against God, when you deny that you know the Lord in word or deed, friend, listen to me carefully, repentance and forgiveness are available for you. And then notice, not only is repentance available, but Jesus in this word of availability told Peter that restoration is available. Jesus told Peter that he would be attacked, but this failure would not disqualify or destroy him. Peter would fail Jesus, but he would be forgiven and restored through repentance. Already, Jesus was prepared with the work he would have Peter to do even after his denial. Hey, they're all going to forsake me and flee. Peter, you're going to go a step further and deny that you even know me. But when you repent and I forgive you, I've already got a job for you to do. These other disciples, they're going to need your encouragement. They're going to need you to stand up and lead them. They're going to need you to be the one to, to step forward and encourage and do a work for me. And your testimony will encourage them. Jesus already had it laid out. Here's the work that I want you to do. Even though Jesus knew what Peter would do, it did not change Jesus' heart toward Peter. He still wanted to be close to Peter and Peter to be close to him. And friends, listen to me, because Satan will lie to us and tell us the opposite. Your heart will condemn you and tell you the opposite. Your mind will begin to think lies that tell you the opposite. When you deny the Lord in word and action, when you sin against him, when you fail him and you know that you've failed him, Satan will tell you, your heart will tell you, your mind will tell you, God doesn't want you. God doesn't want to be close to you. God doesn't love you. Just get away. Just go away. Just throw in the towel. Just get rid of the Bible. Just stop praying because God doesn't want to be close to you anyway. Hey, don't go to church. You're not going to find help there. You're not going to find encouragement there. God doesn't want you anymore. But even before he failed, Jesus said, Peter, I know you're going to fail me. Satan has you in his target and you're going to miss stuff. You're going to sin you're going to deny me with your words and actions but Peter I've prayed for you and when you're converted repentance is available forgiveness is available strengthen your brethren I still want to be close to you God still has a job for you God still has a work for you to do the message Jesus preached to Peter was this you'll be attacked and knocked down but I've prayed for you and when you repent you can serve me and be used because listen God's not done in the resurrection of Jesus Christ declared with power God's not done in this resurrection Sunday this is the message that some of us need. You may have been attacked. You may be under attack. Maybe you're here in this place this morning and, and you've walked in and you've found your seat and the reality is you're under attack. You look your Sunday best. You might even be wearing something new for Easter. But you're under attack. You're in Satan's target. 
You've been knocked down. You've denied Jesus, maybe by your words and actions. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to leave you discouraged, depressed, defeated. He'll tell you that God doesn't love you, doesn't want you, and can't use you. He'll let you know that you're a failure. You've always been a failure, and you'll only be a failure. Those are the lies that may be circulating through your mind over and over again. Today, Satan has been telling some of us these things, and some of us have been listening. You've been listening to Satan's lie. You've allowed your heart, which is deceitful and desperately wicked, to deceive you, to condemn you. The thoughts of your mind are not truth, but lie. Please remember Jesus' words. You've been attacked and knocked down but it doesn't mean you're done. The resurrection declares the opposite, that God's not done. Jesus' message of Peter's failure, repentance and usefulness gives hope to all of us who have been knocked down. Jesus offers forgiveness and restoration through repentance. So today... Let the message of Jesus' resurrection drive you to remember his words. Colossians 3.16, Paul exhorts us with these words. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And maybe this resurrection Sunday, what you need more than anything else is to remember his word. Everyone listening, whether here in the auditorium or via the internet, needs this message somehow. If you've believed on Jesus, you've experienced satanic attacks, and you've been knocked down sometimes. Have you been listening to Satan's lies about your experience? Would you stop listening to his lies and start remembering Jesus' words? Repentance and restoration are available for you. God's not done with you. And then, have you believed in Jesus? Someone here listening on the internet has never been saved. Jesus came, died, and rose again to make a way for you to God. And by the way, it's the only way to God. You can be saved today through a decision to trust Jesus as your Savior who forgives your sin. Call out to him, and he will save you.